Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. If you win your Bibles tonight, turn to Psalm 18. I'm sorry, Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Turn to 18. I won't be preaching on that one. But turn to Psalm 15. Continue a series on skipping through the Psalms. And so we're going to kind of go back and touch on this one. Just reading. Uh, you know how it is. Sometimes you're reading something else and then all of a sudden reading some other portion of Scripture and then you touch and you start reading another portion of Scripture and all of a sudden it leads you back to another portion. And that's kind of what happened as I was studying this week, and said, you know what, I'd really like to go back to this one. As I was uh, reminded again that this is a psalm of David, psalm is a song. Remember, this is Israel's song book. They sang these. This song was written by King David. This song was written by King David. Uh, the scholars and those who, who are in the know uh, believe he wrote it. When the Ark of the Covenant was returning... Uh, from the Philistines. Remember, the Philistines had taken the ark and then David, uh, they brought it back, but David uh, ended up uh, leaving it somewhere for a few months because he, made, them, he uh, made the mistake of trying to bring it home the wrong way. And, but finally, it comes back. and He's bringing it back into Jerusalem and, and there's great, a great parade. There's a great singing takes place. In fact, the Bible says that David was out in front of the ark as it was being carried by the proper priest in the proper way, and that was bring, bringing it back to Mount Zion, a place that David had made for the uh, the tabernacle and a place for the Ark of the Covenant to go inside the, the tabernacle, and it says David danced in front of the Lord. Now that word "dance" there means to hop and skip and jump and, and jump for joy, and he was just praising the Lord. And the Bible also speaks of there specifically that he he laid aside his kingly apparel. He laid aside his kingly apparel. He just had on the, the clothes that everybody else had on, and he was just one of the ones praising God. And he was very enthusiastic. He was uh, definitely uh, zealous. And uh, the Bible says that his wife looked out the window and saw him, and she had disdain, disdain towards him. And, and really it, was, it was, had to do with him becoming, stooping down to the lever, level of the, of the common people in order to worship the Lord. And she said... Uh, and it's a whole great story, but just reminding you, David comes back, he's ecstatic, he's over, just overjoyed, uh, bringing the, the ark back to the, where it should be. And he writes this song. There's several, it's actually four of them in the scriptures. The, uh, the other one he wrote along the same uh, time period of when the ark was coming back is actually Psalm 24. And uh, it actually, there's a lot of similarities if you want to take the time to read both. A lot of similarities between Psalm 24 and Psalm 15. So uh, you can go back and read that yourself. Look at Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy, holy hill? He that walketh uprightly. And the answer, here's the answer. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. 
He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that, the, he that doeth these things shall not be moved. I, I hope tonight maybe that we'll be challenged to be, and be reminded that God desires a personal relationship with us. God desires that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this wonderful psalm that David wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, may you lay some things out for us tonight, remind us of how important it is to be in proper fellowship with you, and that's because that's your desire, and that ought to be our desire. Lord, may you work in our lives tonight. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought about fellowshipping with the Lord, and there's many examples in the Bible of fellowshipping with the Lord, but one of the greatest examples is found in the Old Testament with Moses. Here Moses, you know, the servant of the Lord, the Bible says, and he found a, he found a, a mountain with a bush burning that wasn't burning, and God speaking out of the bush. And, and of course, we know that he led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and, and then God met with him on Mount Sinai. God met with him on Mount Sinai. I just can't imagine that. And God gave him the, uh, the Ten Commandments, and then God gave him the pattern uh, of the tabernacle, in fact, it says that he, he saw the tabernacle in heaven. God said, make it, fashion it after the fashion that you've seen. He, he saw it. Not only did he receive the pattern, but he, he had the visual. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then we know that when the tabernacle was set up, the Ark of the Covenant put inside the Holy of Holies, that Moses went and spoke to the Lord. And after he spoke with the Lord, in fact, we know that even the first time, or when he came down off the Mount Sinai the last time, his face shone. And when he would go into the tabernacle and talk with God, the Bible says face to face, as if it was face to face, right? We know he was the Shekinah glory in there. God talking with Moses, that when he came out, his face would shine. My point is, it says that God talked to Moses face to face as with a, what does it say? A friend. God talked to Moses as he, as he would a friend. Isn't that amazing? I, you think about the Bible describes Abraham as the friend of God. The friend of God. Can I just again tonight say that God desires a, that personal relationship with you. He doesn't just want it from Moses. He doesn't just want it from Abraham. But we, just as that relationship that Abraham and Moses had with God, we can have with him. And we can talk with God face to face as Moses talked to him face to face. Here we see David, King David, again, writing this psalm. Uh, some have said that this is David's Sermon on the Mount, and you can find some correlations uh, with this psalm and the requirements of fellowshipping with God, if you would, from in, in with the Sermon on the Mount. There's, there's lists out there. You can look it up later. But there's certain similarities uh, between the two. Here again, we see the question. The question, Lord... Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Lord, who shall abide in thy tent? Tabernacle, tent. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And most believe this is talking about the temple. It's talking about Mount Moriah. David had a great longing to build God a permanent house. And we understand and know that the, the Lord said he couldn't, but he could gather the materials together. And Solomon built the permanent house. But uh, David's saying, who, who, can, who can come to the hill? Who, who can come to the tabernacle? How shall we do it? How shall we abide there? So let me just tell you what the crux of this is. J. Campbell Morgan said this. He said, this is the terms of friendship between God and man. 
Here are the terms of friendship between God and man. Who can abide in close fellowship with Jesus? Who can abide? You see the word abide there? Does that remind you of anything in the New Testament? John 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Abide. Who can abide? Who can have that close fellowship uh, with the Lord? Here we have the terms of fellowship between God and man. John Phillips puts it this way. I love John Phillips, by the way. Just encourage you. We were talking about uh, commentaries tonight. If you get a chance, you want a commentary, John Phillips is one of the best. he, He put it this way. Who can sit at the Lord's table? I like that. Who can sit at the table with the Lord and fellowship with him? And fellowship with him. Who can abide with him? Who can have that intimacy with the Lord that the Lord desires and that we ought to desire as Christians? And there's application both to the lost and the saved here, but tonight tonight primarily application to us as born again believers. So who can? Who can abide with him? Who can come to the table and sit with him and, and fellowship with the Lord? Number one, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. And speaketh the truth in his heart. So here we have three. And these are just general rules, if you would. General, um, general things that uh, we, we ought to do in order to have fellowship with the Lord. And that is to walk uprightly. To, to work righteously. And then we should have words of truth. And there's three W's for you. It'll be easy to remember. But these are kind of the general aspects. And then the next, the next few have to do with how to apply those in, in specifics. So here we have the general aspects, and that is to walk uprightly. Uh, Psalm 84, just a few pages over, and we, there's lots of uh, different uh, verses we could turn to, especially in the New Testament. But Psalm 84 and verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withhold from them that walk uprightly. Them that walk uprightly. As we are, if we are going to sit at the table with the Lord and fellowship with him, with him, we ought to walk uprightly. We ought to be blameless, without blemish. This has to do with the Old Testament sacrifices. They would bring, they would bring the lamb or the ram or the goat or whatever it was they were bringing. The, and they would bring the firstling of the flock. And, and they would bring a, you know, a lamb of the first year and make sure it was without spot, without blemish. Make sure it's the very best and no blemish on it. We need to come to the table with the Lord having walked uprightly that we might be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked perverse nation we need to walk uprightly walk uprightly and then it says work righteousness work righteousness I think tonight I'm preaching most of the choir all of us would understand righteousness and we're going to cover that when we talk about the breastplate of righteousness here in a couple of weeks after the missions conference and uh, righteous right living doing right Living as the Lord would have us to live. A righteous life. Those who walk uprightly and those who have a righteous life. A righteous life. Living right. Living right. And then it says there, speaking uh, speaking the truth in his heart. Speaking the truth in his heart. Uh, having an honest, having honesty in the heart. Truth in the heart. Not speaking the truth with your mouth, but your whole life is that of truth. Here's an illustration of that. So, you meet somebody, I don't anybody, but you meet someone, somebody you, you know, but 
when you meet them, you automatically trigger something in your mind, and, and that is you don't like this person. This is someone maybe in your past that has dealt, you know, has uh, dealt bad with you, has dealt badly with you, and you've had some kind of uh, problem with them. Let's just say they, they borrowed your chainsaw and never brought it back. And you, you're at church, you shake their hand, and they've had your chainsaw for two years. And you haven't said anything, they haven't said anything, but they have your chainsaw. I know I'm making, I shouldn't have made this a, a laughing thing, but, you know, you have an issue with them. And when you're talking, you shake their hand just like, hey, how are you doing, Brother Aaron? Doing great, you know. You don't have my chainsaw, though, do you? Still looking for that. No, I'm just kidding. Hi, Brother Aaron, how are you? And you shake their hand and you're smiling and all their little chit-chat back and forth. But on the inside, on your inside, you're going, I wish I could just take him out right now. I'd like to stomp him into the ground. I'd like to just, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever done that before? Absolutely. There, there are times when we as human beings and our fallenness and our selfishness and our lack of forgiveness, where we have met somebody, we have talked to somebody and, and we have put on a smile and we have put on the outward appearance that everything is okay. And, and we, we speak a lot, of, a lot of things from our mouth, but it's not truth because on the inside, it's a, lot, it's a different story. If we're going to fellowship with the Lord, the Lord requires that we walk upright, that we live righteously, and that we do that with, with a truthful heart, with a heart of truth, that we're doing it from the heart, that we're doing that from the heart. So important. Think about Ephesians 4.15 and speaking the truth in love and being kind and gracious to people because it's coming out of your heart, not because it's the face you put on. How are we to fellowship with the Lord? How are we to practically come before the Lord? These are general aspects of it. These are generalities. And that is to have that deportment and, and to, to walk right and to do right. And to have the inner thought of that, that is pure. Then, the test of all this... All right, so we have these generalities, right? Then the test of those generalities is in man's attitude to his fellow man. And then so now it gives you specifics. See, people don't like, we in general don't like, when, we in general are okay with the preacher getting up and preaching against sin in general. You know, in generalities, this is the way you ought to live. But then sometimes it gets a little iffy and a little bit when he starts really you know, shaking the bush, you know. You start shaking the bush. Nobody gets that one? Nobody understands that one? No, that's an old saying. You know, he, he starts, you know, getting, getting real and, and start naming names and, um, and, and start naming sin. And so that's kind of what David does here. He says, all right, if you want to fellowship with the Lord, if you want to talk to God face to face, if you want to sit at the table with him, then yeah, walk uprightly and, and live righteously and do so from, from the heart. And here is practically some of the things you ought to be doing. Here, here are some things. And I think I wrote it down somewhere. It says places are, 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 are these are places and blemishes that show quickly. So it's not an exhaustive list. Of course, it could be a, a huge list. But here, what, what, the, what, what we're saying is these are some things that tend to have a tendency to come to the surface very quickly in our lives. These are things that have a tendency to, to show themselves 
uh, more so than other things in our life, other sins in our life, right? And so if you came to Wednesday night to get encouraged tonight, it's going to be a down and out uh, slug fest. Y'all ready? Ready? <laughs> we come on Wednesday night to get our tank full, right? To refuel. All right? So this is the refueling today. This is what the Lord gave me. We're going to go right through it. So here, walk rightly, do, do righteousness, and do so from the heart. And then look there with me in verse 3. He, hath, he that uh, backbiteth not with his tongue. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Again, I think all of us would understand what this is. It's gossip. He that, he that, those who are going to sit down and fellowship with the Lord are those who don't gossip, those who don't uh, backbite. More, we could spend some time out of James. Man, the Bible talks about bridling the tongue and being careful what you say, being careful what you say. James, as well as Proverbs, talk about that death and life are in the tongue. Death and life are in the tongue. Talks about that the tongue can be a flame of fire. Boy, it can, can it? Man, the tongue can, can start a fire. And you think California fires are bad. You, you, your tongue can start a fire and it can spread so quickly. You can say something to somebody that, that you shouldn't have said. And boy, all of a sudden the, the communication lines are open. You know, we done got that, you know, Mayberry uh, switchboard going on. Plop, 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 and all of a sudden, 35 people know about it. You know, so-and-so did blah, blah, blah. And then, foo, there it is. And as I've said to you many times, every Christian ought to be another Christian's advocate. In fact, they ought to be, your, they ought to be the best advocate of another Christian. We ought to always have each other's back. And uh, can I tell you, gossip can also be something that's true and you spread it. It don't just have to be, be something false. Be careful. The Bible calls it a tell bear. The Bible calls it, you know, it uses different words to describe uh, what a gossiper is. And so it's got to be very careful. It's, it's amazing, again, how quickly it can spread. Used to, we used to talk about the, you know, go home from church on a Sunday morning and you take the phone off the wall. Remember that? You used to take the phone off the wall and you dial the number. You know, I'm not as good as Ray Stevens at doing that sound. Hello, did you know what happened at church this morning? Did you see so-and-so and what they were wearing and... Blah, blah, you know, it just doesn't take long and all of a sudden you hang up and they called another person and then they called another person and they called. I'm telling you, that, 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 that happens so very much. It's happened so much. Groups get together, the cliques in the church get together and they start talking about other cliques and, and you know, they, 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 you've got to be careful. Death and life are in the tongue. You can destroy somebody's life. Um, read a story about David Livingston. How many of y'all know who David Livingston was, the great missionary to Africa? His wife was a very frail lady. And she went with him on those first missionary journeys, but her health just could not take it. And, and so they had a couple of children, and she was also trying to raise her children in, in the deep jungles of Africa. And, and it was difficult to her. It was very hard physically for her. And so when they came back to, uh, when they came back to England, they, they decided that she would stay. I mean, they both decided as husband and wife, hey, you need to stay here and, and help and watch out for your health. Well, what happened in their church and in that area? People started gossiping about her. And this is way back. And we're talking about the 1800s here. They started gossiping about her, about wonder what's going on. Why are, why are they not together? And, and it, it, came, it became so bad that she literally, when he came back, said, I'm going back with you. I'm not going to stay here and, and, and basically listen to that. And, and she was pressured by 
other Christians to go back. And she went back and died in three months. And the, the, her biographers and others say that they, they, didn't, they didn't literally kill her, but they did kill her. You think, you think your tongue can't kill somebody? We ought to be careful. And those who are going to fellowship with the Lord and those who are going to sit down at his table uh, uh, need not uh, be backbiters. We need to be careful with our tongues. Careful with our gossip. By the way, you can turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 29 through 30. And gossip is put in the same list as murderers and homosexuals. It's right, I mean, it's right there. And God puts gossipers in the same list. It's, it's, I'm telling you, we, we have a tendency to maybe take that. We have a tendency to, to layer sins, you know, better, best, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, worst, worser, worstest, the very worstest for those of you English majors. I mean, we, we have a tendency to do that. It's our human nature, isn't it? You know, this isn't that bad, but that is. And we know all sin is selfishness, but there are, of course, greater degrees when it comes to, to penalties, of course. And when I say that, I'm also again saying to you that if there are greater degrees of penalties in the Bible and it puts gossip right along with murderers, so you can see where God, what God thinks of gossipers. We ought to be careful with our tongues. Say, preacher, man, is there some problem? No, I'm just laying it out here for you. This is what it says. Gossipers, those that stab you in the back. Next, we see that it talks about those who would sit with the Lord at the, at the table or those who do nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor t- taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Again, those who would do right by their neighbors. And those who would be respectful to their neighbors. And of course, using the word neighbor here, but you know, your fellow man. Uh, being respectful and being kind to your fellow man and doing right by them. Not to bring reproach upon them. Don't talk about them behind their back. Don't, don't uh, uh, lie and cheat and whatever behind their back to them. But being kind to your fellow man, do not do evil to, the, to your neighbor. Don't be an evil doer. Then, spend some time there, but just be kind to your neighbor. Christians ought to be kind. Again, love is kind. Love is kind. Um, and, and we could go through that list there in 1 Corinthians 13. But love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said that commandment, the new command I give you, you love one another. Well, to have that love for each other. Treat your, your neighbor and your co-worker, your aunt or your uncle, your fellow, your, your fellow human being as you would want to be treated. Then we see it goes on to say that, look at verse 4. In whose eyes our vile person is, con- I, and I have a heart of this, is contempt. It, it mean, it's contemptible, right? It's the same word. That's the word, contemptible, contemned. And then look at, the, again, the, the rest of that. And, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. So look at that together. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. In other words, we ought to despise a vile person. And by that, what the Bible is saying here is we ought to be disgusted with the sin and the sin that they're living in. In other words, we should see sin as exceedingly sinful. Hello? We see that today, don't we? I mean, does it, don't you look out over America today and as a Christian, not talking about the person per se, them as a person, but that sin we ought to see as disgusting and vile. Hello? In other words, do we, sin, do we see sin as God sees sin? 
God sees sin. All sin to God is rebellion. Every sin that you commit is rebellion against God. Whether you think it's big or small. Every sin that I commit, every, every selfish desire, disease I do, every selfish even desire I have is rebellion against God. That word vile there is an interesting word. And it has to do again with that draught, um, dross in the scum. Here, here's what it, the illustration is a silversmith who's melting down silver. He's melting it down and as he gets it really hot, it becomes liquid. And what comes to the top? the dross and the the junk that's in there. And he takes a scoop or some device and he skims the top of that and gets the dross off of it, the bad, you know, the the, the contaminants that are in there. And then he just throws it away because it's worthless. It's vile. It's vile. And I'm telling you, folks, tonight, we, we need to see sin as God sees sin. It's vile. It's worthless. Again, the silversmith just throws it away. But, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. And one that would sit at Jesus' table and one that would sit at the Lord's table in the fellowship with him is one who would identify with the Lord as to what sin is and one who would recognize how awful and rebellious and, and uh, vile that sin is and would honor them that fear the Lord. Honor those who walk uprightly. Honor those who live righteously. Honor those whom you might believe are are living it from their heart. In other words, those that fear the Lord. And I believe, I'm thankful, I'm surrounded by a bunch of folks who I believe genuinely do fear the Lord and genuinely do want to live right. Now, we may not do it all the time, but I believe and I'm thankful for a lot of friends in here that I have hung out other than just here in church. And I know uh, that are trying to do right and trying to walk uprightly and, and fearing the Lord. We want, to, we want to fellowship with the Lord, then we need to see sin as God sees sin. Look there again, it says, and he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I like this. I, I guess when I came across this passage, I said, that's a unique way of putting it. It's a unique way of putting it. It is this. That it's someone who keeps their word. Even if it turns out to be difficult for them. It's someone who determines to honor their word. Even if it turns out that they're going to suffer because of it. There's lots of practical illustrations for this. But it is his or her words are reliable. If one's going to set with the Lord and one's going to fellowship with him. Then our word means something. He keeps their word no matter what. You know, you make a deal with somebody, but when you find out it's going to be too difficult, you, you break your word with them. It's kind of like a contractor coming in and bidding out a job. And then after they get in going in the job, they find out the job's a little more difficult and they come back and raise the price. That's what it's actually, it's honestly... 100% what it's, the illustration works perfectly. It is that when they got into what they said they were going to do, they found out it was difficult, and so they broke their word. And that is dishonesty. That, that's not truthfulness. When we, when we give our words to somebody, we ought to keep it, no matter if it causes us hurt in order to keep it. 
That would mean if you were a contractor and you signed a contract with somebody and you said you were going to do this and you didn't make the proper provisions in the contract to make sure, hey, you know, hey, if this happens or this happens. And there are honest contractors who say, hey, like the house we just did, uh, it had been abandoned for 14 years. I had no idea what some of the stuff's going to go wrong in that house when we were doing it. Of course, we were kind of, uh, my Caleb and my son was helping me and so forth. But, you know, there was times there that in the contract they'll put, hey, this plumbing may not be like this. And I was just trying to help out contractors tonight. Uh, and this may not be this way. But so many times somebody gets into something and ends up being more than they think it's going to be, than they thought that was going to be, and they break their word. And that's dishonesty. You say, well, that means I'm going to be out money out of my pocket. That's exactly what it's saying. Look at it again. He that swear to his own hurt, but yet changes not. He makes a promise, finds out it's going to hurt him, but he doesn't change his, doesn't change his word. Amen? I thought that was a good lesson tonight. A good reminder tonight. And I kept my finger here for a point that I wanted to make. This point was made, um, I think, by G. Campbell Morgan. He said this, Integrity of word is the bedrock of righteousness. Anybody else like that? I'd almost write that down in the back of my Bible or something. Integrity of word is the bedrock of righteousness. Your word should be your word. And, and, and then from that extends so much other things, which are, which are righteousness and so forth. You're going to live right. Your word, you, you've got to keep your word. Honesty. Again, those who would gather around the table of Jesus, those who would gather around the table of God and fellowship with him, do not collect or look there, the rest of it says, he that putteth not out his money to usury nor taketh reward against the innocent. And I do believe after much study and looking at this, that those two statements do go together uh, because the word there reward has to do with, um, it has to do with taking a bribe. So these two are kind of connected together. Some commentaries separate them, but here I believe they are connected. It says, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh a bribe or reward against the innocent. And again, it has to do with being honest in your dealings with others, being honest in your business dealings. As Christians, we shouldn't be greedy. As Christians, we should be fair and, again, honest in our dealings. Be careful about being the oppressor. Right? You ever been there? You know, somebody, you're dealing with somebody and all of a sudden they come down hard and they end up being the one who's oppressing you. Maybe it's somebody in a, in a deal that you're trying to make and, and you made the deal and all of a sudden, you know, it, it kicks in there. I know I'm being a little vague here, but it, it really has to do with uh, 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 being careful not to, not to testify and go against, for your personal gain, somebody else. Does that make sense? We want to be careful in our dealings with others. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have the general, general thoughts when it comes to walking and sitting down with Jesus. Then we have particulars. And David here takes a little time and maybe these are some things he was dealing with. But you would, be, uh, you would benefit by going to the Beatitudes or going and hearing, uh, listen, uh, reading again the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll see some of these same things in there. 
that Jesus taught to his disciples. Can I remind you tonight, though, that if we are talking about these things that need to be done in order to sit down and spend time with the Lord, that the only true person who can keep all of this is the Lord Jesus Christ, or who did keep them all? Acknowledges, again, we acknowledge one's defeat and deficiency in bringing repentance. One does well to understand that the qualities listed are achieved only by those who come to the right relationship with God, which can be accomplished only by coming to Christ. No one comes to God except through him. Again, John 14, verse 6. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We all understand, as we've been a Christian very long, that we cannot, leave up, we cannot live up to the expectations of the Lord. Jesus said, be holy, for I am holy. We can't live a holy life unless we are plugged into the power source, the Holy Spirit. Unless we rely upon him, the enabler, who empowers us to live that Christian life. He's the one that enables us to live a, a righteous life. He's the one that enables us to walk right. He's the one that even enables us and empowers us to have a right heart. Because our hearts are, we're born, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And we need that heart change that only the Lord can give us. And in dealing with, in dealing with uh, our, our neighbor, and in dealing with our tongue, and in dealing with those who we might go into business with or, and deal with, we need the Lord in every, every way and in every relationship that we deal with daily, weekly, and yearly. David understood that holiness was not a ceremonial or outward purity, but rather a purity of the heart, which manifested itself in right living. Day, listen to this, day-to-day living should be characterized by holiness. Not just Sunday, not just Wednesday. May we tomorrow think upon these things. May we go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And may they see the light in us. May they see a difference in our lives. May they see how we treat our co-workers and how we treat them selflessly and how we treat them kindly and how that in our dealings we are honest, that we don't, as a business a, a man or a woman, as you deal in your business, that your, your employees see you dealing honestly with people and, and they look up to that and they see that and maybe one day they ask you, you know, why aren't you like my other boss down the street that I used to work for that, that was only looking out for the bottom line and, and would do things deceitfully and dishonest just so they could get a buck? Why aren't you that way? And you have an opportunity to give them, give, them, give them the gospel. Those, the Bible says there in the very last verse, it says those who do these things will not be moved. You'll be planted by the rivers of water. I think I know the other verse like that. As we live right and do right, we'll be able to stand. I'm going to be able to stand in this evil day, don't you? And we need to have on the whole armor of God and just continue uh, to fellowship with Jesus. The ultimate. The ultimate thing in all this is, again, remind you of 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And uh, may we as David think upon these things. I'm telling you, uh, this, this really got to me. I think the actual last verse where it says, uh, those who do these things shall not be moved. You, you, you want to stand? Do these things. You want to sit at the, at, at the table with Jesus Christ and fellowship with Him? Do these things. And uh, as Christians, we ought to be doing them. All right, let's all stand. Hymn 160, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. One of my favorite hymns. Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
after we pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for, again, David's writing here underneath the inspiration of the Spirit. Lord, may we walk uprightly. May we live in righteousness. Lord, may we be enabled by your Holy Spirit to treat our neighbor as ourself as we go throughout the rest of the week. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.